Hare Krishna. What an unusual situation. Two sannyasis speaking and a householder giving initiation. I'm, I think that must be a first. So you're all very welcome here today. It's wonderful to uh, see you all. It is a special occasion for our uh, initiates. And it is a special occasion because with each initiation, we see the hope of uh, Srila Prabhupada's movement being extended further into the future. There are some species of life whose only job it is to reproduce the species and then die. Practically speaking, our lives are so short, it is almost like that. We have to receive the seed of bhakti, pass it on, and then pass away. And there's nothing we can do about that. One individual person on the great chain of events leading to the Krishna consciousness movement, as it will be over the next 10,000 years, is very insignificant. But it is very significant in the life of an individual who takes initiation. But in the grand scheme of things, we are just chains, just links in the chain. Um, and I want to talk today about... Uh, could you get rid of that echo? Oh, okay. All right. So... So, um, Srila Prabhupada himself was our, you could say, our preeminent link in the chain of events that led to all of us sitting here. Were it not for Srila Prabhupada, whose 50th anniversary of ISKCON we'll be celebrating in 2016, which, may I remind you, is only a few months away. Who knew? Who knew 2016 would come so quickly? Those of us who grew up in the 1960s, the 1970s, it already seems in the 2000s that we have gone far, far into the future. But there will be a time when 2015 and 2016 is something in the distant past. Something in the distant past. And it's for those devotees in the future, the disciples of the disciples of the disciples of the disciples, of the disciples that we hold these events. This is simply a very large spiritual baton race. We're passing the baton on to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, a tree does not stop growing when the trunk grows, when the branches grow, the twigs grow, the leaves grow, the seeds are dropped and another tree begins. So in this long chain of events, we are but a very small part. But now focusing in on these wonderful individuals that are with us today and how they received the grace of Srila Prabhupada, um, I should say that it all really began with Prabhupada coming to the West and sitting under a tree and chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. And then Prabhupada did something quite amazing. And I've gone in a time machine and I've gone back to the past. And I want to show it to you now. 
This is the recording of the Krishna Consciousness album uh, that started everything. And it's from 1966. It's not a repro. It's an original copy. There it is. 1966. And it comes down to us. It was in a record shop in New York. So it's one of the originals. And here it is. On the back, Prabhupada writes the original message of the Hare Krishna mantra. Had this not been made, had the Maha Mantra not been made available, the Beatles would not have bought one of these copies. Actually, they bought 33 copies. What do you think, Madhuri Garangi? It's nice. It's a nice picture. It's so retro, it's modern. But um, that is how it works. Things go in cycles. So we have that. And of course, you know the story. The story is very famous, how the Beatles bought 33 albums. They distributed them to their friends. A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada then became someone that they wanted to meet. And when he sent some householders to London, uh, one of them, Shamsunda, met uh, George Harrison, one of the Beatles. And he said, hey, I've been waiting to meet you guys. And the reason we're sitting down here today in this wonderful building called Bhaktivedanta Manor, named after Srila Prabhupada, is because it was a gift of one of those persons. And it all started with the recording of the Hare Krishna Mantra, which all started with one Vaishnava sitting under a tree. So never, ever, ever underestimate sitting under a tree and singing. Okay? It may end up in you living in a six million pound house. That's all you have to do. You want the secret of success? Sit under a tree and chant the Hare Krishna mantra. But it didn't end there. When I was 14, I was into pop music and I regularly used to watch Top of the Pops. And um, in 1969, of course, the Radha Krishna Temple, which was the name given to the devotees at that time, they went on top of the pops. And as Shruti has stolen my thunder, I won't say it again, but Ganga Devi, this is a, a photograph of top of the pops in 1969. And it's the devotees, I'll pass it around, it's the devotees sitting on stage, chanting either Hare Krishna or Govinda, which was the sequel. <laughs> so here it is. You can pass it. That's an original photograph taken in the studio. So I was watching television, and I heard that mantra. And um, at the time, the devotees of Krishna became people I wanted to meet. But I didn't meet them until I saw them in 1970. I heard them in 1972, I saw them in 1973, I saw them in early 1974, and then in summer of 1974, someone said to me, do you want to come and uh, come out to George Harrison's house in the country? And I said, of course. <laughs> One of the Beatles, it's his house in the country. Is he there? 
Yeah, you might see him. <laughs> Beware of someone telling you that. So I came, and here I am. And that was 40 years ago. And I chanted my first round of japa on this side of the temple room, underneath that picture of Prabhupada. So now, um, the Hare Krishna mantra moves on. And as the Hare Krishna mantra moves on, in his own sweet will, he touches the hearts of everyone. Now sometimes there's a little bit of a confusion because the guru is supposed to be the person who gives the Hare Krishna mantra. But in Ganga Devi's case, the Hare Krishna mantra was given by a group of people who were sent directly from Srila Prabhupada to chant in London. She then gave me the Hare Krishna mantra through the television set, through the BBC channel. So in effect, she becomes the spiritual master. So there's a little confusion here today. Who is actually initiating who? Who gets the spiritual master? Is she the spiritual master because she's already given me the Maha Mantra? Well, it's all very confusing, isn't it? But someone has to sit on the hot seat. Sometimes people have said, um, how can you be a guru if Srila Prabhupada is the guru? Which is a very relevant question. But in 1967, 68, 69, 71, 73, right here in London, 74, 75, 76, and 1977, Srila Prabhupada said that his own disciples would give the Hare Krishna mantra to others. It's a very simple process. If I have a banana that someone has given me, I have a choice. I can give that banana to someone else or I can keep it for myself. If I have the Hare Krishna mantra, which is the supreme fruit of the Vedic tree, I have two choices. I can keep it to myself, or I can give it to someone else. If I give it to someone else, I'm a Goshtiyanandi. If I keep it to myself, I'm a Bhajananandi. And a Goshtiyanandi simply uses his or her time to preach and teach, and guide and support and encourage. And that's the job of the Krishna consciousness movement. Our job is not simply to receive the Maha Mantra, to chant and go to Vrindavan and die. Because the preeminent Acharya, Srila Prabhupada, taught us that you stay in Vrindavan for a while to become spiritually strong, and then you go to the middle of the world's biggest, dirtiest, noisiest, most degraded city, and you start giving the Maha Mantra to people who don't know what it is. That's what you do. And you sit under a tree, not with a mridanga and cartels, but with a bongo drum. He sat with a bongo drum and played. And this is the, the fruit. The fruit is the Krishna consciousness movement. So if you give, if you share, devotees will come. Um, there was a similar conundrum. How can you possibly be a guru after Srila Prabhupada? Well, the answer to that question is that no one is ever a guru. All you are is a disciple. You just remain a disciple and you pass that on. There was a similar question when uh, Ramanujacharya departed this world. When he departed this world, he had to leave his teachings with his followers so that they in turn would have their followers, their followers, like that. So he chose 74. He chose 
74. Some of them were sannyasis, some of them were householders. And he put them in different parts of India. And when I asked one professor, Professor Narasimhacharya, I said, what was the qualification for Ramanuja's choosing of 74? Because in ISKCON we've had some discussions. And he said, well, he said, they knew something, they taught something, and they helped others. He said, that was the qualification. And they were disciples. So 200 years later, Vedanta Deshika was writing a book. And when he was writing this book, he was trying to think of an analogy to describe what happens when you have an acharya, a spiritual teacher, of such earth-shattering position, such a revolutionary position, followed by smaller teachers who take the message of that person. It's not a new phenomenon. And that phenomenon was, he said, there was a nephew of Ramanujacharya called Mudalyantan. And Mudalyantan had said something which was extremely important, he thought. He said, when a lion leaps across a valley, he said, he does it very easily. He said, but sometimes there are little insects stuck to his leg. And those insects, by the power of the lions jumping, they can also jump over that valley. So the whole Krishna consciousness movement is sitting on the back of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is leaping over that valley. What is that valley? That valley is the dark valley of samsara. So Prabhupada is taking all of us, all of us, all of his followers, because it is a fact that the mantras we give are given by him. The teachings we give are given by him. The discernments on how to live life, the perspective on what's right and what's wrong, have all been given by him. When I was a young boy, my father was a policeman, and he wore a uniform and he wore a badge. That was powerful enough for him to be able to stand in the middle of the street in the days before traffic lights, hold his hand up with a white glove on, and stop every single car in the town. And I used to look at my father, and I used to think, my father is so powerful. He's so powerful. He can stand in the middle of the street. Normally nobody can stand in the middle of the street. Very dangerous. But my father can stand in the middle of the street and he can stop cars. He can stop cars. And uh, a little while later I discovered that it wasn't actually my father who was stopping the cars. It was the uniform. Because my father without his uniform could not stand in the middle of the street and stop cars. In fact, he would have been foolish to do so. So when we uh, embrace Prabhupada's teachings, thereby become a uh, representative, then we in our turn pass it on to others. And that job is for every single person. Every single person who is a follower of Prabhupada's teachings is called upon to pass those teachings on to others. And it's very simple. Take them, give them on. But when Prabhupada initiated me, in 1975, he wrote a letter to the temple president here. At that time, it wasn't Shruti Dharma, it was someone else. And he said, he said, I accept Kripamoya Das as my twice-born Brahmin disciple. Your job, he was speaking to the temple president, he said, your job is to make sure that he rises early in the morning, that he reads my books, that he practices all the disciplines, and he goes on Sankirtan. So Prabhupada was entrusting his representative to teach his disciples. 
So we have some very important people today without whom none of these candidates would be sitting here today. We have a system of guidance, support, encouragement that we call the mentorship system that has been running for three years now. And those, particularly those devotees who have gone out, touched the hearts of these devotees by preaching to them, guiding them, training them, supporting them, encouraging them. Sometimes they go up, sometimes they, they dip a little bit, a little bit of turbulence on the road. But um, these devotees have really looked after them. So I want to, all, want to call them up, and I'd like to call upon, uh, first of all, those who are providing guidance for the entire community. Can I call upon our two sannyasis today, Bhakti Rasamrita Maharaj and Dayananda Maharaj, if you would come and sit in your seats here. But um, importantly, can I call upon um, Minikatan and Gandharika? Uh, uh, I'd call upon uh, Sutapa Prabhu to sit next to the sannyasis, please. And uh, Jagat Priya. So Minikatan, you can sit next to Sutapa, then, then Jagat Priya. If there's a chair for you, Madhuri Gorangi, we do want you there. Then, uh, who else have we got? I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. I should call upon, is there one more chair? Can I call upon my mentor and spiritual guide, um, Her Grace Guru Chanapadma, <laughs> without whom I definitely wouldn't be sitting here. Only when the wife says, Tatastu, you may do it. Okay, all right. You're happy where you are. So um, our ceremony today is quite simple. Uh, we have some names and we have some beads. But we also have a Brahmin thread which will be ceremonially presented to um, Radhagovinda Das Brahmachari. We have a fire yagya. But we also have uh, the collecting of blessings from the mentors. And this, according to Vaishnava tradition, will be given by, take, by each mentor blessing them and saying something, taking some yellow rice and placing some yellow rice in their pot. And they will all come begging for those blessings. So first of all, Vaishnavas... We were going to ask you to speak afterwards, but can you get ready to bless? Can you think of all the nice thoughts that you would like to wish our candidates today? Long life, health, strength, happiness, courage, determination, all those thoughts. Candidates, can I now ask you to take your pots? And can I have an assistant, please? To Sorry, Shruti. Uh, we need the yellow rice, one little bit of yellow rice to be given to each of the... Each of the blessers, you're all blessers. And uh, Gauri Prabhu, Pranabanda Prabhu, and Shruti Dharma, if you would also bless them. So, taking your pots in your hands, will you come this side? You can wish them Ayushman Bhava, long life. Okay, garlands we have after. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Trinadapi, you know about these ceremonials. Shruti, and then Kanaya. Oh, you're all there. Okay. Can you give one to Pranabandha? 
Anyone who has one? Okay. This is not cooked rice, by the way. This is. And what it is, you keep this, candidates, you keep this, and this is a permanent reminder to you of your initiation and the blessings that you got. So the blessings should be that you stay strong. So please, first, if you all come up, and you're all going to make your way down the line. Okay? You wish them well. You say something to them and put some rice in their pot. Perhaps a sentence or two. <laughs> uh, each of you has to say something to the candidate, please. You can give a little more rice. Be generous with your blessings. Each grain of rice represents a blessing. If you've got lots of rice left, you can shower the candidates at a suitable moment. Thank you very much. Do you all feel blessed? Wonderful. Um, can I just say, though, that the devotees who are now sitting on the chairs um, have an equal and much more abundant credit than I do because these are the devotees who have faithfully been serving the mission of Srila Prabhupada in their respective places. For those of you who don't know them, uh, it's relatively simple here in London to be enthusiastic about Krishna consciousness. Something's happening every day. People are coming through every day. Perhaps a, one sannyasi, one elderly monk is coming through twice a week. So here in London, we, we are very much indulged. If you go to Bristol, the extremities of the country in the west, or if you go to Norwich, the extremity of the country in the east. <laughs> and those of you who don't know, Bristol is outside the M25. Norwich is definitely outside the M25. But there is Krishna consciousness there. There deserves to be Krishna consciousness there. But um, it's the place where not many people go. But they definitely need to go more. Isn't that right? They definitely need it. Let's, let's put these cities on the map. Um, so those devotees who have been going there, first of all, uh, Madhurya Gorangi, uh, faithfully um, went to Norwich when there was absolutely, you know, pretty much nothing, nothing and no one. <clears throat> and somehow or another... She stayed there. She was staying with uh, Fran Chandra Mohini in the home of Grant. Give us a wave, Grant. Grant. Without Grant, there would be no um, young people sitting in the, uh, the place today. Grant is a local musician, and he's been a supporter of the Krishna consciousness movement for many, many years. So he opened his home to these two young ladies, and they came. And from there, they taught Krishna consciousness. So we're very indebted to them. Following up from them was Jagat Priya. Who Jagat Priya? She's a mother, um, but she travels out to Norwich very faithfully. And Norwich is 120 miles there. And once you get there, you have to come back. It's 120 miles back. <laughs> so that's a long, long journey, sometimes just for seeing a few people. And this endeavor cannot be overestimated I believe that the traveling and preaching is what really what our movement is made up of and for Srila Prabhupada to do what he did involved the component of traveling and preaching and when you see a devotee who's prepared to drop everything drop their comforts and travel and preach you know you've got someone that you can depend on and the movement will flourish and now what can I say about Minikatan and Gandharika if you don't know them 
then the history of the Krishna consciousness movement in England one day will be written. They will figure very prominently because they possibly are the most traveled preachers in the United Kingdom. Apart from sannyasis who, you know, they're real travelers, but they travel. How many miles a year would you say you travel? Incalculable. At the beginning of the year, on January the 1st, Minikaitan and his wife have the entire year mapped out in their calendar and they have every single event that they're going to do. I struggle to catch up. I'm not much of a planner, uh, as my managers know. But they have managed the entire year, so it includes green festivals, Glastonbury festivals, this festival, that outdoor festival, uh, and all the events and all the different speakers. So for planning the preaching and for traveling and preaching, this couple is extremely dynamic. And without them, I dare say, although Gangadevi is very strong in her Krishna consciousness, but I dare say there would have been times <laughs> when it would have been extremely difficult. So, um, thank you. How about a round of applause for our travelers and preachers? And uh, Sutapa, Sutapa, he's possibly the most traveled brahmachari in the United Kingdom. In fact, beyond the United Kingdom. <laughs> he's just come back from a whirlwind tour of Scandinavia, bathing in lakes and, uh, you know, putting on how many rathiatras? Seven rathiatras. <laughs> so boundless enthusiasm for giving Krishna consciousness to other people. Not only in different parts of England, but beyond. But also, he's putting Krishna consciousness into print and giving that to other uh, people through his publications. Not only that, but he's the head of the ashram here, and he looks after all our monks. And just yesterday, we had an induction ceremony for two of our monks. If they're here, could you please stand? Let us glorify these men who have changed from white cloth into saffron yesterday. Under the tutelage. That's it. Very good. <clears throat> if you want a monk in your home, they're available for hire. You just have to feed them and they will speak Shastra. <laughs>